chefs are they're influenced by where they come from and I'm sure with every chef you talk to talk with or every person you can you can sort of gauge where, what what they've been through and yeah it's um it, it's really taught me in how I want to communicate myself to other people. Today on Dirty Linen, we are talking to a man who goes by many names. On Instagram, he is Foodshiproof and he is Eska Koo, but his real name's Ka, but he says I can call him Eska, as many people do. Uh, Eska is, <laughs> Eska, you're so excited to be here that you're making me nervous. So <laughs> how are you going? I'm I'm so nervous. Um, yeah, I'd just like to say uh, thanks um, for having me. It's an honor. Well, the honor's mine. Uh, I'm really keen to talk to you. I know we're going to have a great chat about food because I know we're equally excited and passionate about food and about restaurants. So currently you're the head chef at Miss Me in Melbourne, uh, but you've worked at so many well-known restaurants, uh, including Long Grain, Dinner by Heston, Noma Australia, Press Club, Ides. So many places, including Andre in Singapore. Um, you're born in Malaysia. You've been in Australia for half your life. Um, tell me a little bit more about yourself. All right. Um, so I'm born on the Malaysian side of Borneo. Um, and, um, um, yeah, I've li- um, I live in a small family um, in um, Karakinabalu, um, which is the north side of Borneo, um, in the Malaysian area. Um, and, um, I grew up loving, um, uh, loving cooking and loving soccer. Um, I wanted to become a professional soccer player. Uh, that didn't work out. Um, so I had to find a way, um, to find a different passion. Um, and cooking was, uh, the one was one of those. Yeah. Always watching my mom cook. Um, and you know, it's tasty and, uh, yeah, that guided me to uh, moving to Australia and studying culinary arts. And um, with all the knockbacks, uh, I still end up working for some pretty decent restaurants. And yeah, here I am. It's uh, You know, Gordon Ramsay went on a similar path where he was on track to be a professional footballer and did his knee and then, yeah, you know, had to pick up a wooden spoon and a, and a whisk. So you're following in interesting footsteps. Yeah. Well, my my story was um yeah uh, pretty similar um but mine was uh falling in love with um australia and wanting to live here um being an immigrant um i i, I came here just wanting to have an opportunity and uh maybe playing for perf glory um but that flipped when uh, i discovered my um love for the country and i wanted to stay and um, had a lot of struggles trying to get visas and um, finally came through and became a citizen in the end. Um, so, yeah, it all worked out well. Oh, that's so good. So I want to I learn more about your cooking journey, but I'd love to hear a bit more about Borneo. I've never been there. I'm pretty ignorant. Like what kind, what's the food culture like? Like what did you grow up eating and what kinds of dishes did you see your mother making that got you excited about food? Yeah, um, my mom cooks a lot of uh, Chinese Malay dishes. Um, there is a Borneo ens- essence to it uh, in terms of ingredients. For example, ferns, um, fermented durian, um, a lot of tribal cooking um, that has influenced the way she cooks as well. Not entirely 
Um, but there's uh, essence of it, a uh, little hints of it. Um, so yeah, dishes are quite simple, um, straight to the point, flavorsome. Um, and yeah, um, I think the tribal cuisines in Borneo is still there. Um, but it's, it's just, it's, it's developing so fast that, uh, things are starting to die down and uh, disappear, which is very sad. You know, you went home and you're like, mom, make me my favorite dish or my favorite dinner. Like, what would you make? Oh, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. Um, uh, th- there's so much dishes that she makes and, uh, and all of them taste so good. Um, uh, probably, uh, Nonya chicken curry. Um, that's what she makes really well. Or um, a fermented durian curry, uh, a simple pan-fried fish um, with um, a traditional sambal made with anchovies and tomato, stuff like that. Just, it, it just it's just delicious. And um, she has a host of dishes. I just don't even know where to go. Yeah, but it's all pretty simple. <laughs> well, I know I know where I want to go. I want to know more about fermented durian curry because durian, to my mind. I mean, I've I've been to Malaysia. I've been to a durian tent where you can try lots of different durians and uh, put the gloves on, and they you know cut, cut into it for you. It's such an experience, so cultural. Um, and you know, I know I've even got a favorite durian, the Musan King. Oh wow! Yeah, I just got one ordered too. <laughs> Did you? So yeah, the, the thing about durian is that to me, it already is it almost you know, smells and tastes fermented. So I'm just thinking, like, how much deeper is there to go with the flavour of durian? Yeah, it's um, when you when you ferment it, um, the pungent smell sort of dissipates and it, it turns more acidic, um, created from the lactic acid fermentation. Um, it's, it's created because there was an abundance amount of durian and they just didn't know what to do with it. So preserving was... Um, an important part in not wasting it. Uh, so hence why tempoyak was, uh, was, uh, was created, fermented durian. So is that the name of the curry? Yeah, yeah. No, the, the durian, uh, the fermented durian is called tempoyak. Um, and they would additionally add durian in to add uh, umami bombs into the curry. Oh, okay. So it might be like a chicken curry or jackfruit curry or whatever it is, but then you put in a bit of the durian. Yeah. And you can serve it as it is, or you can just add it. It's like, um, yeah, um, a natural seasoning for the indigenous people around here in Borneo. Wow. That's really blown my mind. Um, Pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So is it like, is it, is, do you, is it made like kimchi, like just sort of packed tightly with salt or is it, um, is it like in a, in a solution? Like how is it done? Um, it's it's basically just durian and salt, and then they usually just use plastic containers to like lid them, um, and they let them rot. <laughs> just love it. Yeah, I think one day they were just like, I don't know what to do. We'll just put it in this uh, plastic container, put a lid on it, and it should be all right. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so much, I mean, food is, is so much about that, isn't it? It's like, well, we've got this abundance. I mean, you think about olives, like uh, how did people work out how to make olives palatable? I mean, it must just be like, we've got all this stuff. We need to do something with it. Let's just see what happens. We need to save it. Yeah. Not waste. Yeah. And and I'm a big uh, advocate for um, no waste. And yeah, a big fan of um, what Joe Barrett and Matt Stone are doing at uh, uh, Future Food um, System. Yeah, same. I'm a super huge fan of them. Inspir- inspirational. It is inspirational. Tell me what, what it means to you. Tell me what you love about it. I, I just love 
um, it's things that we're we ignore um, that we're lazy um, in 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 u- utilizing um, the the full cycle of an ingredient. Uh, like um, I heard in your podcast with Joe Barrett, like um, understanding how how long it takes for a fish to grow um, m- might mean more to you once you understand that. Um, and understanding how to use byproducts um, in a better way, um, acknowledging wastage as a primary ingredient. It's, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just incredible. Um, I remember when I was in Perth, um, I was just so um, amazed at, at what Matt Stone was doing in Greenhouse. Uh, I wanted to work there. But I ended up working um, at Andalus Tapas Bar in Perth, which is uh, opposite to Greenhouse. Um, I just think, didn't think I was good enough, and Andalus showed um, showed interest in me, and yeah, I just uh, stayed on with them, uh, which is a tapas bar in Perth, uh, down the alleyway somewhere. That's where I really um, discovered uh, my love for cooking. <laughs> I remember seeing, yeah, I just remember because uh, I'm I'm a guy that had to knock on doors to to get in. Um, back then, I didn't really have anything on my resume. Um, it was just a white paper. And I had, like, uh, my qualifications that I finished studying and all that. But that didn't matter to the chefs. It was more about how much you wanted it. Um, I remember going there for just a little look. And I remember seeing an octopus bottle in a jar. I was like, what the heck is that? <laughs> and ever since then, it got me hooked. It was the octopus in a jar with oil and marination. So it was curiosity that reeled you in. Yeah, yeah, curiosity. Um, the chef was Brenton Pike at that time, and he's currently at Market Eating House in Perth. Um, but yeah, absolutely creative, and yeah, um, and I fell in love ever since then. So tell me about Miss Me. I haven't been there. When did it open? Tell what's the project? It's um, it's a new restaurant um, about to launch. It has been uh, open, um, but not fully launched yet. Um, it's a, a basically a restaurant that showcases um, Asian food um, throughout um, Asia, I guess. Um, it, we're doing contemporary uh, neo-progressive Asian cooking. Um, and it's a style of uh, classics, rural staples, uh, reimagined what it would look like or how it would be in the future. It's um, a little bit of my experience in there and a lot of um, delicious food that I really enjoy eating. So what's a dish that you're going to do there that really speaks to the project? Um, I think one that turned out to be uh, a favourite of mine was uh, the kangaroo skewer. Um, So it's a little bit of my time in Australia and a lot about Malaysian cooking, which is um, uh, satay, skewers, skewers on satay on the streets of Asia. Um, the kangaroo is, uh, thinly filleted, um, skewered on, um, brushed with, um, rumpa and, um, a soy dressing, I guess grilled over the coal and, uh, topped up with, uh, macadamia nut satay, which is, uh, native to Australia and, uh, the humble avocado that's been torched lightly and served on the paper bark. Wow. That really has a lot of different things going on. That really sums up my, my life. Yeah. <laughs> And what's rumpa? Rumpa is basically um, the mirepoix of uh, Asian cooking, the bumbu, the spice mix, the, the heart of 
um, Asian cuisine. Um, this is more of a Malay Indonesian word, but throughout uh, Cambodia, in, in Cambodia, um, Thailand, Laos, they all have that that mirepoix, that rempa as the base of the heart. So it's like pounded like lemongrass and ginger and shallots. Yeah, all the staples in there. And I have a, a special mix of that that I've accumulated with all my experience and what I've seen, that special rempa. It's always going to be the heart of my cooking. Same as my mom too. She always has a rempa. That's so interesting. I mean, it, it just makes me want to talk to you about where you think Asian food and fusion food is at in Australia. I mean, there's there's such a big conversation around, I guess, cultural appropriation, authenticity, what does it mean, is it important, heritage, you know, who gets to make what, can anyone do anything? I mean, where do you think we're at with all that? I think we're really um, ahead with this. Um, Melbourne has been so open and it's always about diversity and you know Australia has always welcomed um, so so many types of people into the country and with open arms and and that has really translated into uh, what we do um, I, I I don't really have a, a specific rule of who should cook what or how or why or you know but I think um, it's it's really moving ahead in time and and we're really representing um this well in melbourne Mm, that's so great so i mean have you through your experience in you know kitchens doing lots of different styles of food have you found i mean have you always been learning but also i guess injecting things that you know into those kitchens have you felt that there's been space for you to do that yeah absolutely i've always um it's um it's I definitely with all my experiences through the kitchens I've I've definitely absorbed it and um and uh, I've took the best the most positive thing out of it and uh, I carried carried me on throughout my journey wherever I go um and I hope to um share that with um the with everybody that I'm I'm with and I mean you, you know you mentioned that Miss May is sort of open but not really and I mean obviously it's an incredibly difficult time to you know open not to mention stay open uh how has the lockdown effect or you know the pandemic the six lockdowns affected you uh, it has affected a lot um I mean we're actually we've only been open for 22 days um we opened on the 29th um that was the first time, uh, 29th of June, that was the first time we opened. And ever since then, we've only done 22 services. Um, it has really affected. I mean, uh, we, we were so excited to open up and uh, get customers in to try out the food and the, hospita- the hospitality that we're, uh, we can offer. Um, but yeah, uh, unfortunately, it is what it is. Um, lockdown is there and um, we just have to survive, um, keep uh, everybody afloat and... Um, um, still, you know, ready for this project, still in this project. Um, yeah, just, just really sad times. It is really hard. I mean, what do you do to, I guess, stay engaged and positive? Um, I just, uh, I communicate with them and, um, I guess, um, I plan, I plan, um, more things for Miss Me in terms of, uh, new dishes and, um, new, um, um, project new 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 events so yeah but we, in terms of everyone we're working um together with um yeah there's a constant communication 
where we help each other out when needed. Um, and, and yeah, just being together. That togetherness is very important. That unity. I mean, what about cooking projects? I, I just, I get the feeling you're the kind of person that might always have a few jars of things bubbling away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of things are fermented. <laughs> um, um, uh, yeah, lo- lots of stuff are getting fermented, like sambals and peppers, um, um, brines, pickles. They're all, they're all there um, to be used in a future uh, project. Um, but yeah, um, I have a, a menu that's called Journey to Journey Through Asia, um, and that will be utilized uh, in that menu. Um, a lot of uh, uh, rural dishes that utilizes fermentation, um, and yeah, that will all be part of this uh, epic menu that um, we're going to be releasing soon. That's so exciting! Yeah, it's like a, a tasting menu, I guess. So, what kinds of things have you got bubbling away? What sort of ferments? Um, pepper, sambal, I can't give away too much, but, uh, but durian's <laughs> definitely there. We got jackfruit, um, bananas, um, black garlic, of course, uh, even supports and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all, it's all pretty funky down there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that, that, um, and, and all that, um, ideas, um, I learned through, from Noma Australia. Um, thanks to David Zilber and uh, Rene Rezepi. Well, yeah, I'd love to talk about some of the kitchens you've worked in. So t- tell me about Noma Australia and that experience. That was pretty wild. <laughs> um, I never thought I'd get um, selected to join the project. Um, and there I was with um, uh, the team um, from Copenhagen. Um, quite amazing to, to be a part of this, being uh, that I live in Australia and I love Australia and to see they, to see their ideas and uh, their wild ideas, you know, come, come to life. It's really amazing. Um, yeah. Just, just a dream come true to, to, to work with a guy that's. What sort of, what's a highlight? Like what's a, a can you remember one really great day or one really great dish? Oh, the, the, um, all, all the dishes are quite amazing. Um, but I just remember um, just just the energy of like at Noma, just everything was like like it's like when Renee said um, we perform like a, a ballet choreograph and um, we we attack it like um, we're playing we're we're a Metallica. Um, it's just so energetic and wild. Um, everything from even saying like yes, chef. It's like they're screaming like they're um, the Vikings, or wow, <laughs> yeah, That's like cool. every it's like every call is like yeah, it's like so loud and top of your lungs, um, yeah, just so energetic and and that's what I learned from that to to be to be extremely passionate to to give everything you got um, from the start to the end, and um, yeah, it was it was uh, breathtaking. <laughs> What's another restaurant that's made a really indelible mark on you? Um, I think Dinner by Heston. Um, there was a there was an influence from Noma. Um, it is it is uh, one of the best restaurants in the world, but um, the style that they had was quite ruthless um, and um, in the kitchen. So it it's uh, quite toxic in a way. Um, 
and that's 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 part of the the trade, I guess. In in order for you to get like incredible, um, perfected dishes battling against time and and the numbers, um, you have to be ruthless. And um, ever since working at Dinner by Heston, uh, I learned to be um, more professional and and to do things in a certain way where it's uh, respectable or, um, or more approachable, you know? Um, and Dinner by Heston really taught me a lot uh, about being a human and being a, being a chef, being in this profession, um, and to work in a methodical, um, measured way. It's really, really helped me understand um, how things are done. And, and um, yeah, science. Interesting, because the, the, I get such a different feeling from you about those two key experiences. Like with Noma, there's all this energy. And as you talk about dinner, uh, it makes, I get this, I'm almost closing in on myself. Like I can feel that sort of precision, that um, uh, that it was almost military, uh, that there's di- very different emotions. I mean, and you said there was a certain toxicity to it. I mean, and you, but you also said it taught you about, being a human i mean did it teach you in some ways what you didn't want to be or didn't want to do oh totally it it taught me what i want to carry on and what i what i hope to be um and you know chefs are um they're influenced by where they come from and i'm sure with every chef you talk to talk with or every person you can you can sort of gauge what what they've been through um and yeah it's um it's really taught me in how I want to communicate myself to other people. And how is that? For me, I, I really want uh, positivity. I want respect. Um, I want unity. Um, and I want integrity as well. The, the, like having, looking after um, your fellow colleagues or your staff is the most important thing because without them, you, you can't do anything. And this is, it's always been a, a team project. And, and me coming from um, playing soccer, I know how important it is if uh, we're not together. We, we, we don't end up achieving the same result or, or the goal that we want. Um, yeah, that's really uh, transpired uh, for me, uh, being that person. Um, no yelling, no screaming, no swearing. Um, make, making sure that the staff are really happy. And you know, we're in this hospitality industry for... Um, the art of pleasing people and it shouldn't start when um, the customers come in it should start when we come to work Um, everyone should please each other and help each other and be supportive and that's the most important thing for me how do you think that you can balance that kind of atmosphere with really high standards I mean I guess what am I trying to say so I guess the 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 military style, the toxic, the yelling, you know, the, the really, really hard kitchens, you know, that for, for a long time people thought that that's what kitchens had to be like. And I suppose one of the things that you've identified in a kitchen like that is, you know, you do get this precision, this incredible consistency. Uh, you you do deliver in some ways a, a really incredible experience, but it, there is a big, there's a big, there's a big payoff. There's a big downside. I mean, where do you, how do you strike that balance between excellence and kindness? Yeah, I, I totally understand what you're trying to uh, ask. Um, 
I, I think I think a happy chef will ultimately always create um, um, great things and, and and always have things done well. It, when you're happy, it's 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 just like it's just so smooth, um, and things can run smooth. Um, I, I particularly I don't like to um, target anyone. Um, I, I I rather guide them. And I reason with them and I tell them um, why this is happening. And, and, you know, I work with them and I say, what's, what's the best way to achieve this at your pace, at your way? Um, and yeah, everyone's different. And, you know, um, and I don't like everyone to be the same robot the same way. And sometimes cooking for me now coming to the stage of uh, being a head chef now, um, I care more. I care more about um, their feelings and um, how they are as um, working in the kitchen than than you know how they do things. Um, there's always many ways to achieve um, the same way, the same the same goal, the same um, technique. I just have to work with them, I guess. Yeah. So very important. Um, I remember there was one time when I forgot to put a pea on a plate. Or a couple of peas, and I was called dipshit. <laughs> yeah, and it remained for a whole month. <laughs> so I, I don't think we would. I would ever do that to anyone. Uh, I would take it myself, but I, I don't think I can do that to uh, someone else. And I think the intensity of the kitchen it's starting to abate um, and progress into a happy environment. I think. Um, yeah. And what what impact or what possibilities or opportunities do you think come from the pandemic and this extraordinary period of disruption and instability? I mean, is there a way of looking at that as, as an opportunity to create positive change? I, I, I think so. I think so. I think um, people need to, people, un, people understand um, how much hospitality is suffering and um, they understand it's not, easy to run restaurants with all the overheads and labor costs and given how Australia is, um, how expensive it is, it can be. Um, yeah, there's more um, understanding in what it takes to open a business and and the staff that go through there, you know. Um, so, yeah, definitely more love for the hospitality industry. And I think that's what we learn um the, the learn through 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 this lockdown and through this COVID, the the reality of it, the face of it, and it's it's not it's not good. It's and everything's coming up. So yeah, I hope this continues and so that we we understand where we should stand and um, yeah, um, hope for the best for that. Yeah, I mean, I know that the pandemic is really hit Malaysia super hard. Oh, super hard. Yeah. And I know that there's a lot of, there's, you know, not much government support and there's a lot of those really important family restaurants that are closing and who knows if they'll be out to be. Yeah. So, I mean, tell me what, you, what you're hearing um, and what the situation is. Yeah. It's just, um, um, yeah, it's corrupted. I guess um, the government wouldn't want to, doesn't want to help and if they do they don't really help they, they barely do anything and uh it's and if they close they close it it's it's that simple and for for the for the government 
they um yeah everyone's just struggling um everyone's pulling out money from you know deep pockets uh just to keep operating um and yeah i guess you know it's it, it the malaysian side of it like there's not much um care for hospitality there it's a business over there and that's it it's pretty pretty dull dull way of uh, to to run it i guess yeah it's so sad it just makes me think of the you know you just think of those people that you know every day for their whole life they get up and they you know make the curry paste or you know chop the vegetables or yeah like whatever it is it's um it's that's such a rich but really fragile culture isn't it it is yeah it's it's so um separated and and was in like having seen what we have done um for the hospitality industry in australia it's it's that's that's the way it should be that's how that's an example of um what we should do all over the world um in supporting you know this businesses supporting all the people that are um you know living uh, as a student um migrating here just like just like i did like 15 years ago um we're all so important to this vehicle um and yeah i i hope uh, malaysia takes notice yeah well i mean a lot of people would say that the australian government at, at different levels hasn't done enough to help individuals and businesses through this i mean what what do you think i think they're doing as much as they can i think they're listening um they should have done more um but yeah time will tell um how much they're gonna do i mean they just released uh, more um support um for the hospitality industry for small businesses but it's just not enough i guess um as it takes a lot to run a business and um yeah i i just don't know what what else to say but yeah i hope um I hope this carries on. At least there's there's something rather than nothing. Um, and yeah, in countries in Asia, that's that's literally nothing. Yeah, we've got to remember the things that we're yeah. lucky for, for sure. Yeah, and we're so lucky. Yeah. Um, Eska, I don't want you to get off this call and feel like you didn't say something that you wanted to say. So, <laughs> tell me, what do you want to talk about? Um, I just like to um say um. I don't really have much to say, but I just like to say, uh, Melbourne, stay strong. Um, uh, Australia, stay strong. And you know, this pandemic is tough, but, um, we'll get over it, uh, somehow, some way. And I think we'll just have to accept it and, um, move on with it as part of our lives and be together. And Melbourne will be back. Australia will be back. Hospitality will be back. And, uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be exciting again. Yes, that is definitely true. It's it's definitely not going away, and I know that you're going to be a big part of it. It's uh, been great to great to learn a bit more about you, Eska, and uh, con- yeah, congratulations on what you're creating at Miss Me, and um, I can't wait to come in and taste it when we're allowed. Absolutely, I, I look forward to uh, cooking you a feast <laughs> and seeing you devour it. I look forward to eating it. <laughs> It'll be a challenge. <laughs> I'm up for it. Okay, take care. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dali. You're a legend. Cheers. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. 
hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.